Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Well, we're in part three of a series that we've entitled Chosen, talking about how God wants to use you. You know, Ephesians 2.10 says, for we and this is about me, this is about you, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things, there it is, so we can do good things that he's planned for us long ago. God wants to use you, you are chosen. This is week three. If you've missed any of the previous weeks, um, a book that as I was reading just really did a lot of inspiring of this message, and I took a lot of content from it. This is an awesome book. I recommend you read. If you are a reader, make sure you grab one of these on the way out. Take it. If you're not a reader, become a reader. Grab it. It's great. Like everybody, just, just, just grab it. You will love it. Um, you really will. And they're in the back. And by the way, you already bought them. You paid for them, so they're free to you. Just please take one, read it. I know it will impact you, and I hope it encourages you like it has encouraged me awesome book, Chase the Lion, Mark Batterson, go for it. But we're in this series, and, and we really, we started it off by just looking at Ephesians being like, look, God chose you. He chose you. So God wants to use you. And we looked at just some of the people in the Bible that God used, and we're like, there's no perfect person. God doesn't, he, we have a perfect God that uses imperfect people to get amazing things done. And we just looked at some of the just different people that God has used, and, and this one committed adultery, and this one committed murder, and this one lied, and this one stole, and you're like, holy cow, God used them? Yes. God wants to use you. And then last week, we really looked at the different gifts, different things that God has put in each of us. Romans 12, verse 6 talks about it. It says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And I asked, I said, what bothers you? Is there something that just, it bothers you when you see it, you're like, I just want to fix it. It just needs to be fixed. I talked about carpet scenes because I, I like carpet and I walk in houses and I just see carpet scenes. I'm like, that, that's wrong. And I, because I, I know how to fix it, I know what's right, I know, I just see it. They don't bother anybody else. And so I said, what is it that bothers you? What is it? Because see, we're all gifted in different areas and there's different things. There's different things that we do and don't do. So, so what is that thing that bothers you? And I said, pray, ask God. Say, God, does this bother me because you want me to fix it? Because you want me to be a part of the solution. Do you want me to pray? Do you want me to do more than pray? What is it that you want me to do? And today I want to talk about doing big things for God. Now, who here would like to live an insignificant life that has no impact, doesn't impact those around you, and you're easily forgotten and missed and looked over? Anybody? Doesn't sound very fun, does it? You're like, no. Now, how many of us would love to do something big? How many of us would love to be used by God to change our world, to impact people around us? How many would like to do something like that? Yeah, absolutely. I think most all of us do. And as you, as you look at the world right now, over and over, what you see is people want to do something that has significance. They're looking in all the wrong places, but they want to do, they want to do something that has significance. But let me just say this. Big things start small. Big things, especially doing big things for God, means starting small. And I think probably the best example of this that I can think of in the Bible would be King David. King David didn't start off as King David. He was a shepherd. He was a shepherd tending his father's sheep. And really, he stepped, 
and became well-known. He went from a nobody to a, wow, everybody knows exactly who you are. Everybody's singing your praises because he killed a giant. But there were some other things that came before that that are, are, are kind of missed. And I'm going to read from 1 Samuel 17. It won't be on the screens. If you have your Bibles, please turn there. 1 Samuel 17, verse 33, and it says this. And we're picking up right here. We're picking up where David had gone out and he'd showed up at the battle lines between Israel and the Philistines. And he's already heard Goliath, this, this giant's challenge to, to the Israelites. And he says, send out someone to fight me. And he says, if they beat me, we'll become your slaves. But if I beat them, we'll decide the whole battle. Here we go. David hears this. He's asking what will be done. He says, I will go and I'll fight this person. And he gets brought before the king. King Saul, and it says this in verse 33, but Saul replied to David, you cannot go out against the Philistine to fight him. You're just a boy. And he has been a warrior from his youth. David replied, your servant's been tending his father's sheep, and whenever a lion or a bear comes and carried off the lamb from the flock, I went after it, I struck it down, and delivered it, delivered the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur this guy's awesome, and strike it down and kill it. You're like, come on. Verse 36, your servant has killed lions and bears. That's plural. It's not just one. He says lions and bears. Anyways, the uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And then David added this, the Lord who delivered me from the claw of the lion and the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Go, said Saul, and may the Lord be with you. David really stepped on the scene, and he became, oh, wow, look at David. Look what he did when he, when he killed that giant. But what does he say? He's like, this giant will be just like the bear, just like the lion. The God that saved me, the God that empowered me to do that will do this now, just as he did then. And he talks about a lion, and he talks about a bear, and I bet there was a few coyotes and maybe a cat and dog before that. But we think of the big things, but it starts small. So many things start small. Luke 16, 10 says this. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. When we think of God and we say, God, we want, we want God to use us. We think, I want to do great things for God. I'd love to do those. We start small. David started small. He was faithful right where he was. He was a shepherd. And one of the strangest things about the story of David, I think, is the fact that David gets anointed king, but the prophet Samuel comes, anoints David king, and the next day David goes right back to doing the same thing that he did the day before. I just, that wouldn't, I don't think it should happen that way. I just don't think so. I think if you get anointed king one day, the next day you should be king. You shouldn't go right back to doing the same thing that you've always done. But that's exactly what happened. He gets anointed king and goes right back to doing the same thing that he's always done. And so as we want to be used by God, let me just say, you are anointed to be used by God. Absolutely. You are created, you are gifted, you are chosen, and you're waiting for the big thing to change 
And you're, you're like, why am I doing the same thing that I've always done? What's missing? This isn't how it should be. I want to do great things. Let me just tell you, the, the greatest, the fastest way to get to that great thing that you want to do is to do great what you're doing right now. It's to be faithful where you are. He was faithful with little, will be faithful with much. David didn't neglect his job. He took it seriously. He didn't say, oh, that's a bear. Oh, too bad. He's like, no, he went after it, and he took it down. He was like, I could probably have an excuse, you know, a lion. I had the bear I could take down. I don't know about a lion. No, he's like, no, I'll take that down too. We do... We do what we can where we are instead of thinking, well, I'm not where I want to be, so what does it matter? If we want to be used by God, we're faithful right where we are. We're faithful where we are. If we're waiting, if, if we know what God has laid on our heart to do, we've got that thing that bothers us, and we're like, God, yes, you want me to fix it, that's great. If you don't have that, you're faithful where you are, and you just pray. And it's a dangerous prayer, but you pray and you say, God... Break my heart for what breaks you. Open my eyes to things I can do. God, put a righteous anger in me, a, a, a holy discontent for the things that are around me that, that, that don't bring you glory, the things that hurt you, the things that bother you. God, open my eyes to see, and then you watch what he does. But you just keep working right where we are. We just keep working. We don't cry about opportunities we don't have. We take advantage of the opportunities that we do, and we do what we're doing heartily as under the Lord. You want that dream job? Do a great job at a bad job. Do a great job at the job you have, and watch what happens. So often we want to reserve it. We say, well, when I get there, then I'll do this, and then I'll do that. And God's like, no, serve right now, right where you are. You're not waiting for anything. Serve. You are anointed, and you're going right back to that same thing that you did yesterday. The same thing. Monday comes around, like, this is what I do on Mondays. I don't even like Mondays. They're always here. Might as well choose to like them because they're going to come. It's going to be there. I hate Mondays. Living for the weekend. No, make every day like that. Just have fun. Enjoy what you're doing. Decide you're going to have fun. Do it to the glory of God and watch what he does with it. Be faithful where you are, wherever you are. You're like, oh, I'm raising kids right now. Raise them. Have fun. Pour into them. Pour into them and realize the value that God puts on family, holy cow. I love what it talks about in First, in first Timothy, talking about family. It says, this, it says, if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of the house of God, the church? Talking about leaders in the church, it flat out says, if they can't manage and handle their own family, they don't even belong anywhere in the church. It's just the value of family. God's like, it starts here. We're faithful where we are. Enjoy it. Raise kids. Have fun. And then as you have opportunities, use them. You're not waiting for anything. You're not at the in a bad place, the wrong place. No, be faithful where you are and watch what God does. Go, I'm, just, I'm just in this job and I, just, I feel like I'm punching a clock. You, you might be, but be faithful in that and watch how God uses you. Watch the doors that open as a result. I don't think that David, when he killed the lion, thought, okay, well, now I'm ready for a giant. I don't think he saw that coming. I don't think anybody did. But man, when we're faithful where we are, we're serving God. We pray, God, open my eyes 
to the needs around you. God, make my, break my heart for what breaks you. Give me a holy passion. God, put that in me. And we just serve where we are. And all of a sudden, God, the, a door opens and we're like, and we, and we, we, we take that step. And we look back and we're like, this is, you prepared me perfectly, God. David was prepared perfectly for it. Why? Because he was faithful where he was. Because he was faithful where he was. And if we do that, if we're faithful where we are, we'll be ready to step out in faith. Um, Becca and I, we actually, we met rock climbing. Uh, it's here in Michigan, so it's like an indoor rock climbing thing. It's a fun story. I had my shirt off. She just had to come talk to me, and, and uh, I'll save that for another time, just the good parts I already said anyway. So, but anyways, so we, 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 I love, love rock climbing, and in Michigan, rock climbing is like you do a lot of it indoors. You can go to Grand Ledge. You can go up north. You can do some stuff, um, but we have done a couple of really fun climbs, and probably... Probably, I think the most epic one we did was a, a route in Mexico called, um, is it Cowboys? Yeah, down in, down in Prote, Prote, what she said. And uh, so we were down there, and I actually have a picture of us as we were getting ready to climb. So we're getting our gear on, and we're getting all set and ready to go. And we did this climb, and it's Space Boys. And the next picture shows this. So we, we climbed this. We climbed about 1,000 feet. Um, it was, it's rated like a 5'10". Most of the pitches were, were nines. I think it was like two or three tens that you do in there. And we, we climbed up. I think the next one shows the route that we did. Yeah, so you start down here at the bottom and kind of zip up this. And it was, it was, it was fun, but it's, it's, it's tall. It's, it's high. Go ahead and go to the next one. And so there's Becca down at the bottom with the red hat. And then I think it's my older brothers, then the white hat there, and I'm actually at the bottom. We did a three climb. So it was up, and then we'd all go up, and we'd meet on the ledge, go ahead and go to the next one. So we all meet on the ledge up there, and then one would keep climbing. And so we've got all of our gear. Like, we, we had gear. So if we were to fall, you, you have gear to catch you. Go ahead, and let's just go to that, that next one. So here's a picture of us on one of the ledges getting ready to keep going. And as I recall, Becca led this one, and she's out there, and I'm like, babe, you got to keep going. And she's like, I can't. I'm like, you got to keep going. And she's like, I can't. I'm like, and then she looks over at me, she's like, I'm waiting for this tarantula to move. And there's a tarantula <laughs> where she needed to put her hand, so she's got to wait for this thing to get out of the way so that she can go. I was like, okay, sounds good. But she was just hanging on, and the longer you hang on without, like, move, especially without moving, your arms just get pumped so, and you're like, ah, you know, shake them up and stretch your fingers back out, and you go and you, you climb. That's a really fun climb, but you want to know what we did? We climbed some other things before we did this. <laughs> we didn't just start right there, and you know what else we did? Is we did, we did this, is we had... We had some gear with us. But what would you think if I told you that it, the day before we went to do that climb, that I just went to the store and said, I need something, and I, and I just bought some gear, and then just decided to go climb? How, how many of you think that'd be a good idea? How many of you still think, yeah, but I bet you'd do it? <laughs> okay, just, just checking. Don't raise your hands, you guys. 
So we, we, we have this gear, and uh, so here's, here's some of my climbing gear. I haven't put this on in a few years. It's been a little bit. We've got kids. It's a little twisted. What? I don't know. Becca's looking at me like I said something wrong. She'll tell me between services. I'll change it for the next service. I don't know what I did, but here's what I did. All right, but we put our gear on. But what? We had gear. We've got safety gear. We got ropes. We had carabiners and everything that we need. And we got these, these special ropes. They're a little bit... They're, they're kind of thick, but really what makes them special is the fact that they come out of the bag now, <laughs> is, is that there's a little bit of stretch, there's a little bit of give to it. It's, it's not static, there's a, there's a little bit of give. So when, if you do fall, you don't just hit the end of the rope and like, <laughs> I mean, it hurts still, but there's a, there's a little bit of give to it. And we're up there and we're climbing, and I know I have all the gear on, I've done little climbs, I've done all kinds of stuff, I've done top rope stuff where you go around to the top and you belay back down, and that's got its own little like issues to it, because when you belay down, it's, it always gets me, always gets me when you top rope, you go around to the top, you tie in, and then you throw the rope bag down, and then, and then you kind of just go down the mountain, and then you climb your way back up. But the part that always gets me is, I know I've anchored my stuff in, I know I've anchored my rope in, but that, that leaning over the edge and, and onto the rope, always, there's just this little moment of, this had better work, right? <laughs> You're like, this had, this had better work. And, oh, the first, the first couple times you do it and like, you're by yourself. I remember I did it one time. We were in Mon- we, I was in Montana. It was me. It was only me. And I was out in the middle of absolute nowhere. Nobody knew where I was. And I took my gear out, climbed around to the top of about a 300-foot spire, tied everything in, and went over the edge. And I'm like, man, it gets you. And on that one, I was climbing back up. And I was using, actually, this thing right here. It's a little Gregory, and it kind of lets me pull the rope through and then climb and pull the rope through. And if I do fall, I'll catch myself, and I can just lower myself to the bottom. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm climbing up this thing, and as I'm climbing up this, I pull on one of these rocks, and something behind the rock that I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing moves. And I'm like, do I let go? Do I keep my hand there? I'm in Montana. There's rattlesnakes. I'm like, is it a snake? I'm like, how would a snake get here? I don't know. Snakes can get everywhere. Like, what in the world? I don't know. So I'm thinking, but everything that goes through my mind is like, well, let go. You've got this rope on. You've got all this safety gear. But I'm like, but will it work? Like, I know I have it. I know it's worked before. I know in theory I did everything right because I've already been hanging off of it. But I still have this thing going through my mind of, is it going to work? Would it be safer to hold on and let whatever this is figure out my hand? Or should I just let go and hope everything works? I know it should work. I've tested everything. I have this battle that goes on. And here's the thing. When there's going to come a point. There's going to come a point when we're following God where we have to step out. David did it with Goliath. He, I think he did it with the lion. I think he did it with the bear. But he watched God be faithful. And we start with the little things, and we see God's faithfulness, and we learn to trust in him. And yeah, there's still those moments of, oh my goodness, I've got to trust this. Is this, God, I know you told me to do it, but oh no. 
this had better be you because here I go. I'm about to put, I'm, I'm about to step off the ledge. I'm about to let go of this hold. I'm about to climb something. I know, I don't know that I can do this without this gear. I won't make it. I'm going to fall. What is, God, you are my only safety net. There is nothing else. I need you. Every one of us are going to have that. And we're meant to have that. We're not meant to live in such a way that we don't need God. That we don't have to put any faith in him. We're not even meant to live that way. Not in the slightest. But there's going to come that point where we just, we're, we're trusting in him, we're trusting in him. He's our safety net. There is nothing else. It's like Peter's in the boat and Jesus says, come out of the boat. Middle of a storm in the Sea of Galilee. If Jesus says, come out of the boat, you better get out of the boat. If he didn't, you better not. <laughs> you better know it's Jesus. But you don't want to know what you're doing? You're stepping out. And you're like, okay, God, if this is you, this is going to work. If it isn't, I'm in trouble. Peter steps out and it works until he starts looking around at the wind and waves. Then he starts to sink. He's like, ah, save me. And he cries out. And I love that he, even after he, he takes that first step, he begins to doubt and God doesn't go, well, this will teach you to doubt me and let him sink. <laughs> Jesus reaches out and grabs him. And they're right back in the boat. There's going to come a point where you're going to step out. And you and I are made for that, for stepping out in faith. We're made. But what makes it possible is that we know that we trust God in the little things, that we're faithful. We see his faithfulness over and over and over. God does what he says he will do in the small things. And we say, he did it then, he'll do it again. He did it for me, he'll do it for you. We hear the stories of God's faithfulness. We're talking to people in our small groups, people who are further than us and done things that we haven't done and seen God's faithfulness in areas that we haven't seen. And they tell it and we say, okay. And it builds our faith a little more. We're like, okay, I, I can trust, I can trust God. He's, he's, he's going to have me. Because it's going to come. But here's the deal. You are not meant to live a life that doesn't require God. That does not require faith. We just don't avoid situations where the odds are against you. Don't avoid situations where if God doesn't come through, you're in trouble. It's, and I think sometimes what we do is we do that, well, I, it might make God, well, if this doesn't work, it might embarrass God, or God's going to look really funny, or what about, and we're like, God's like, no, yeah, I, I don't, you're not my PR. <laughs> like, I, you don't need me, my PR agent, like, I got this, just go for it and watch what happens. Just, just go for it and watch what happens. Because it's different in different settings, you know? Praying for somebody here at church, that's one thing right? Praying for somebody in the middle of a job site? That's a little different. That's a little different. These are the people that we work, you work with. It's day in and day out, and they know you, and what's going to happen, and what are they going to say, and, and, what, and what if God doesn't? And will I make God look bad? Are you going to be like, okay, I'm not going to do it? Or are you going to like, okay, what? You know what, God? I'm, I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. We're going to see what happens. And you pray for him. And the guy who couldn't work in his tummy and whatever he ate, it isn't working and it's not work, he stands up and he looks at you and he goes, 
it's gone. It's 100% gone. You're like, yep, that's God. Now get back to work. Let's do this. And you get back working. We're faithful where we are. We pray, God, open our eyes. We're meant for something more. God's chosen you. He's gifted you. He's positioned you perfectly. Be faithful where you are. Don't wish you were somewhere else. Be faithful where you are. When God puts that desire in you, you pray. You get around. You ask your small group leader. You're like, hey, I think this is, this, this is what God wants me to fix. I think this is where he's leading me. You get involved in church. You plug in. You do something. And when God... You, you see his faithfulness over and over and over, and he leads you to take a step of faith where you have to rely on him. You're like, okay. And yeah, it's scary. Even though you've seen his faithfulness, it is, it is scary. It's scary every single week to come up here and preach, because you know, I'm like, God, it's got to be you. I'm not good at this. I'm not great at this. If I get up there, this is going to be a waste of everybody's time. Not a single person is going to come back, and you're going to look bad. Like, what is this going to be? No, it's like, it's got to be God. I, I do it every week, and still, my like, God, this absolutely has to, has to be you. There is that thing where we step out into the unknown, the place where we haven't been before, but we don't avoid those situations. Say, God, if this is you, again, I'm not getting out of this boat if God isn't asking me to, but if God's asking me to, I'm getting out, and I'm going to walk on that water. If I start to sink, God, I know that I will call out to you, and you're going to pick me right back up, but, but step out on it. But it starts being faithful right where we are. Be faithful where we are. Look what it says in Hebrews 11:6. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. We're meant to live that life. We're meant to live a life of faith, where it's like, okay, God, if you ask me to do it, here I go. And it's going to start small. And it's going to be more and more and more when we watch God be faithful. Man, I think that's one of the best things about tithing is we give, we give 10%, always have to church, always. And we watch God's faithfulness. And then God says, I want you to give and support this missionary. And we're like, okay, you've been faithful. That's not in the budget, but we'll do it. We know it's going to work out. And we switch things around and we do it and we watch God's blessing come on us. And we watch what happens in our life. I love that about tithing, just seeing God's faithfulness. As he's, he's like, watch what happens. Over and over, there's so many things. One story that I love that illustrates this so well in the Bible is the story of Jonathan. Now, Jonathan was the, the king's son, Saul's son. And they're fighting the Philistines at the time, and you hear about them a lot because they fought them an awful, awful lot. And it's not going well at all. So Jonathan gets an idea. Jonathan gets an idea. And we find it in 1 Samuel 14, 6, and this is what it says. Jonathan says to his armor bearer this. He says, let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Then he says this, perhaps the Lord will help us. Don't you love that word, perhaps? Does it, does it install confidence in any of you, perhaps? Hey, I got something you should invest in, perhaps it'll work. Anybody want to jump on that one? You're like, mm, I don't know, I don't know. This is Jonathan, perhaps the Lord will help us. For nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether by he has many warriors or only a few. And then verse 7, 
I love this guy. I love his armor bearer. This is his armor bearer's answer. Do whatever you think best, the armor bearer replied. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. Would you, do you get this guy? He's like, hey, perhaps this will work. Perhaps the Lord will do this. God doesn't need a lot of people. He can win with a few or with a lot. I got an idea. And his armor bearer's like, I'm in. Yeah, let's go. Just a little bit crazy. Just a little bit that armor bearer, you're like, mmm. Does he know something that I don't? Because I read the story and I just think, oh my goodness, why did you say that? Why did you agree to that? But I love friends like that. I call them crazy faith friends. That when, that when, when God speaks to you and you're like, hey, look, this is what I'm thinking God wants us to do. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. That sounds great. And we've got some of those. I remember when God laid on Beck and I's heart to start a church, to pastor a church, and we didn't even know where. And we, we were talking with people and being like, hey, what's going on? And so we went and we talked with some of our friends. And we got together with Jamie and Jason and we're like, hey, this is what we're thinking about doing. We're thinking about doing a church. And Jamie and Jason are like, sounds good. Where are we going? And we're like, really? They're like, oh yeah, we're in. Let's do this. And we're like, okay, yeah. Yeah, perhaps this will work. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> right? Right? Perhaps this will work. But this is Jonathan's plan. And we need some of those crazy faith people in our life that'll just encourage us, that God uses to help us to come around and be like, okay, somebody else thinks this besides me. I'm not the only one. All right, we can do this. Verse 8, all right, Jonathan told him. Like, that's all it took. Jonathan's got this perhaps idea. One person is crazy faith friends like, I'm with you. All right then, Jonathan said, we'll cross over and let them see us. This is his awesome plan. <laughs> Verse 9, if they say to us, stay where you are or we will kill you, then we will stop and not go up to them. <laughs> okay, that's the start of the plan, but it gets better. Verse 10, but if they say, come up and fight, then we will go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. <laughs> Anybody still following this story? If I'm Jonathan, if you're Jonathan, I think most of us, if we were Jonathan, we'd be like, okay, God, I'll go. Because by few or by many, God, you can do this. All I need is a sign from you. I want that sign to be lightning striking from the ground up on, like right now, it needs to happen at 7 o'clock and 77 seconds exactly after that, and then what it needs to do is it needs to hit the rock, and the rock, it needs to explode the rock, and all the pieces of the rock need to fall out, and then you need to say, go, I am with you, says the Lord. And maybe in King James, so it sounds a little better or something, maybe you could say thou, or, you know, we would want some like crazy, crazy sign. Because what Jonathan picks, well, if they say come up, we'll just take that as a sign that God's given us into their hands. Let's just do it. And his armor bearer's like, we're in. So they do. They go out, they show themselves to the Philistines, and the Philistines say, come up here. Verse 13, so they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about a half an acre. Verse 15. See, 
up to this point, they're just doing some things, and it's just like, okay, this is all natural, and, and yeah, they, okay, God, and you're like, well, is, how much of this is God, and did you really do this on your own? And yeah, they took a step of absolute faith, but watch what happens. Suddenly, panic, verse 15, broke out in the Philistines' army, both in the camp and the field, including and even the outpost and raiding parties. And just then an earthquake struck, and everyone was terrified. Jonathan takes this crazy step. He says, perhaps God will move. I'm just going to do it. Let's, let's do this. And as he takes a step, and he does it, there's no safety net. He goes up. He's got his crazy faith friend with him. They go do it. He takes a step, and God says, okay, you've moved. Now watch what I can do. And just panic hits. Panic hits everywhere. They're like, what's going on? They don't even know what it is. It's a spirit of just fear and craziness. And then an earthquake hits, and it's crazy. And then everybody, the Israelites here, you can read, read this for yourself. It's awesome. The Israelites are like, what's going on? And we don't know. And, and who's battling who? And what's happening? And they find out it's Jonathan, and they're like, okay, well, let's go get him. And the whole battle turns, and they destroy the Philistines because of this. Because of it, perhaps. So here's what I want to leave you with today. You're gifted, you're called, you're chosen. So be faithful right where you are. Watch God's faithfulness. And then when God says, step out of the boat, step out of the boat. Do it. Step out of the boat. He's using you right where you are. You're not waiting for anything else. If you're like, well, I don't know. I'm just doing my day in and my day out. You're anointed, but just like David, you're going right back to the same thing, but you do it heartily as under the Lord. You do it heartily as under the Lord, and you watch the opportunities that he brings right there, right to you. We get to pray. We say, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. God, show me what the thing is that I can go all in, day in and day out. Break my heart for what breaks you. Give me a righteous anger for things that upset you so I can see what those are. And then when that day comes, where you're like, okay, this is, this, is, this is all God. This has to be God. You make sure it's God. You talk to other people. You say, this is where I believe God's leading me. You get godly counsel. You look at the word, and then you take those steps. And you're going to be ready. We take small steps because great things begin small. God wants to use you. You're going to make a difference. He's going to use you. It all comes that time because we're not meant to live a life that doesn't require God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He wants us to live by faith. He wants to show himself faithful. So serve him right where you are. You watch what he does and you'll be ready. When he says, take that step of faith, you'll be like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And you watch what God does in and through you. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.